0: everybody, and welcome to the Passion Podcast. My name is Saora, and this is the place to be for all things masculine and feminine. In this podcast, you'll find all the things that you need to be able to understand both yourself and your intimate connections more, and therefore be able to experience more passion, play, and deep satisfaction in your relationships and in all other areas of your life. We dive especially deep into understanding men, to help men understand what is needed for them to find wholeness and embodiment, and to help women understand how we can take more responsibility and how we can support this growth within the men in our lives. Although I do primarily focus more so on men, simply because I feel that more support is needed there, we also dive into women too, into what women need from themselves, from each other and from men in order to find true wholeness. I deeply believe that to evolve, we need to learn radical self-responsibility, but we also really need each other. So I hope you enjoy this episode and that you find some real tangible answers that you can implement and integrate into your life. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Passion Podcast. Today, I am super excited to have this dear sister, Jerrica, with me. Hey, Jerrica, how are you doing today, love? Yay, so great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, you're so welcome. I am really excited. You're the first woman that I've had on this podcast, and I am so excited. Excited about all the topics that we're going to get into today. It's going to be juicy. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I would love to start with just you sharing a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do in the world, and, you know, what you're up to, whatever you feel like sharing. All right. What do I want to start out with? Well,
1: I'm Jared Alliance. I am a single mom of two boys, which is, uh, it's been quite an adventure. I keep learning new things every day.
0: I imagine. It's been
1: a wonderful challenge as well, raising boys <laughs> in mm-hmm. this day and age, wow. especially as a single mom, like that's a whole topic in itself. Mm. Um, I created a business called the Mars Contract, which is focused on really supporting men in helping them and advocating for them to really own their, their power. And so mm. this is basically like sex and power coaching is what I call it. Cause I would say the focal point and the juiciest passionate points in my life that I really get into are sex and power and how that relates. So I'm a total nerd when it comes to anything related to, um, sexual therapy, kink therapy, BDSM, um anything that relates to our power and being more in integrity being able to clean up our energy through um responsibility accountability etc and i yeah there's just so much there
0: is yeah <laughs> there's so
1: much i'm passionate about right now so um my background is varied it's a little all over the place and so I'll the most common question I get is like why I I as a woman do this work and like that's that's a whole like to me like that's the journey in itself um so in a nutshell I would say the the most important part of me that led me to this work is the fact that I identify as both male and female Mm -hmm. I 100% feel a ride at home in my masculine energy. And I remember when I was little, I just really wanted to be a boy and I was so mad. I wasn't a boy. Mm. Um, And so it's been a weird journey of navigating that energy, you know, and then on the flip side of feeling really comfortable in my masculine energy, just wanting to run and play and, you know, and also being very martially inclined as a, as a kid and even now as an adult, but you know, I was all about playing war as a kid, um, not having any kind of encouragement in that area, but then simultaneously, in a female body, having all sorts of things projected onto me in an attempt to condition me with all, you know, all these weird paradigms that we live in. So it was a weird combination of, In one sense, really wanting to be a boy and in the other sense, being a very feminine girl whose childhood was overly sexualized. And then there was just a a real uh, imbalance of power distribution as part of that. There was Mm. so many things I wasn't allowed to do because I had a female body and um, a lot of things that were discouraged. People wouldn't teach me the things I was passionate about. I had to go off and kind of learn them myself. Oh, wow. And then there was this constant bombardment of, oh, you need to be pretty. You need to, you know, be very feminine. You need to be very attractive. You need to this, this, and that. And it um, it kind of unconsciously split me into two parts. One part of me was very masculine and incredibly adventurous and somewhat fearless. I was dedicated to overcoming my fears. And the other part of me was desperately trying to find my power as a woman, but kept um, being pushed more into uh, sexual roles in order to find it. Ain't that the truth. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that this is is almost everybody's story at this point. Well, Um, yes and no. Similar nuances (laughs) of the same, Mm -hmm. right? The same Mm -hmm. themes. And so... Yeah. And then uh I would I would also say another huge part of all of that is I was raised in was raised by a malignant narcissist. So I learned mm. at a very young age about the abuse of power. Mm. And of course it took me many decades to actually of you know, understand it and know mm. how to navigate it and heal from it. But that's that's a huge another that's a it's a huge like what would you call that? not really a turning point, but catalyst, catalyst, a huge right, catalyst right. in why, why power, you know, what is it about power that attracts me to it? And really it came from knowing firsthand at a very young age, how horrible it feels to be powerless and to witness the abuse of power and not know what you can do about it. Yeah, A lot of it. I mean, that's a, such a great question. And I think, I'm a firm believer that all the issues that we have going on in the world, they're not really gender issues, not really. We we have a tendency to kind of push them into different categories because we see certain things as threats or we, we witness um, a certain gender behaving in a certain way more so than another gender. Right. You know, like traditionally it's men that go off and fight wars and our conquerors and tyrants etc i have such an unorthodox background and experience that it, it just always feels a little weird at first when i talk about these things right. so um i was on the streets at a fairly young age in my teens which is really just a natural side effect of having a dysfunctional home you Definitely. know a lot of people ask for like how does that happen and oh my god is it scary and I mean, there's nothing about it that's safe, but most of the time when kids are on the street, it's because it's safer than their home. And that was my reality, uh, where my home life seemed like it was, you know, normal, et cetera, but it wasn't safe. It wasn't emotionally safe. It wasn't physically safe. Um, It wasn't psychologically safe. Certainly
0: not psychologically safe.
1: No. In many respects, it wasn't even sexually safe. And the difference is... The streets are unsafe, but on the streets, we can say no. Right. And on the streets, you can defend yourself. And to me, that was all the difference. So um, what was so powerful about that experience is like all that decade or so of um, power struggle, like feeling powerless, feeling like impotent to protect myself, defend myself, and even say no it really it like reared up it was almost like my collective demons came out and protected me and so the streets are wow. actually a really wonderful place of empowerment for me because i learned quickly you know how capable i was of protecting myself um but i was fortunate in that respect because if if something happened and i experienced physical pain from a situation Fear was the last emotion I was experiencing. Mm. It would, it would, it would transmute immediately into rage and mm. boom, like that, that saved me in many respects. On the streets, my masculine, the masculine part of me was really good at protecting me, right? And creating all sorts of different opportunities, um, to feel safe and expressed. Mm-hmm. And like many people on the streets, many kids on the streets, and especially females, um, automatically was kind of pulled into sex work
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i got you know i learned a lot from that and of course in my very young immature stages of that it was incredibly disempowering and horribly toxic Um, but the part of me that has uh, substantial self-preservation instincts we'll even call that my masculine self right okay that's really good at protecting me I feel like it really did solidly create some kind of containment for me in that regard, because I never allowed myself to get too far into any particular situation. And I um, also related to just what I grew up with, any kind of dependence felt horrible to me. Right. So I gravitated towards any situation where I could have autonomy and independence. Okay. And that really helped me a great deal. Yeah, I bet. So I, bet. I I stuck to the types of sex work where I had my power. And so that was predominantly dancing. And then in my late teens, I um, began training as a dominatrix. Mm-hmm. And this is a place where the, the lesson on power and understanding human power dynamics really started evolving. I bet. I bet. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. No, with that, I want to say I wasn't mature enough in my late teens and early 20s to really hold the containment and the container to be a dominatrix. I just didn't have the emotional maturity. I didn't understand myself well enough. I didn't have the psychological understanding development. And I didn't I wasn't ready for the responsibility that's required. Um, but it was the beginning of that, the beginning of that. Um We'll call it, yeah, the journey for a lack of a better word. And that just stayed with me most of my life. And it it wasn't a new interest. I would say I was kind of born kinky, but I started, um, I think I had my first dominatrix friend when I was 16 and I had been really interested in it since I was about 15. So it was an ongoing interest. There just, there was so much I didn't understand about it until I really got involved with it because there are so many misconceptions about BDSM and what a dominatrix
0: is and isn't, et cetera. What would you say is some of the most prevalent misconceptions that you experience? What would be like one or two of the most prevalent misconceptions? Um,
1: I would say it boils down to the misconceptions about submission and dominance. Mm -hmm. Which is? Well, most people confuse dominance for aggression and vice versa and that to be dominant um and to dominate one has to abuse power and it couldn't be further from the truth
0: and submission is weakness
1: yeah that submission is weakness that submission is um toxic behavior etc etc so there's there's just so much to unpack about both of those
0: things because there is I find- so much to unpack and it's it's interesting because i feel like people listening will want to hear so much about that but actually i feel really inspired about going in some different directions with you first today and i feel like maybe having you on again and we can explore some other kinds of topics but what I really love so much about you and I feel really resonant with you is that it's very clear to me that, um, like myself, that most of your life, especially due to your upbringing, has been geared around healing the masculine within yourself, within your life, within the men that you meet. And, and that's something I, I massively, massively resonate with and I I feel my life has been very predominantly geared around that hence this podcast as well (laughs) yeah and and your life has really you know qualified you um to do that to do that because of all the pain you've experienced but also because of all the the experience and because you have really seen what works and because of your deep intention to create healing and support men and understanding how challenging it is for them as well. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't know if anything is lighting up for you as as a place to start within those topics. Um, well, I'm curious to hear your story. Okay, in, in the places where you yeah.
1: had to acknowledge your masculine wound and what that looks like for you. Cool.
0: I mean, I guess for me, it really started that, I mean, it really started in my lineage. You know, my, my mom was raped repeatedly by three family members. My grandma and my great grandma were, um, apparently born from rape. And there's just a lot of, of, of really gnarly sexual wounding on my matrilineage side. Yeah, And then in my father's side, there's just like massive dis- disconnection. It's like on my father's, so we, we only know my, we know my mom's 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 mom. We don't know, we actually don't even know who the fathers are. Wow. And then on my dad's side, we have his mom's lineage for ages back and we don't even have his father's lineage at all. So it's like the fathers on both sides are just like non-existent. They're just missing.
1: missing. That's a really common, that's a common wound. It's a common uh, bloodline
0: wound. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's just so interesting in in all of this like patriarchy, yet the patriarchy is just missing in my lineage. And so that's that's the lineage that I chose as a soul to come in that was relevant for me to explore and heal. And taking that on, of course, I'm going to go through a bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it started when I was um, about three years old because my mom, she just understandably didn't trust any men, including her own husband and father of her children. You know, after her childhood experiences, it's completely understandable. And it didn't strike me until later on in life that, My dad, when I was about, when I was really, really little, my my dad firstly didn't want any of us kids. We were all accidents. And then when I was born, he actually really bonded to me as a soul. They used to call me my dad's little shadow until I started to grow more of a personality when I was about three years old. And I think that's when my mom's fears started setting in. And I think partly because my dad didn't know how to deal with a young uh, a girl that was gr- growing into a little girl, but partly because my mom was afraid. So my dad distanced himself from me. How he didn't feel like he could have a relation or was allowed to have a relationship with you. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until recent years. It just dawned on me one day. Suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, he was actually protecting my mom's feelings and trying to help my mom feel safe maybe even subconsciously, and also just not having any kind of emotional intelligence to know how to deal with a growing girl. Right. And so I had two half-older brothers as well at the same time, and they were kind of in my life, and all within the age between three and four, they all completely disappeared out of my life. And so the three men in my life disappearing – Uh, From being like tangibly holding me, physically holding me, to not having connection with them anymore. And that was, yeah, that was very, very, very impactful. And of course, as a young being, you take other people's complete inability to love and interpret that and question your own lovability. Yeah, and that just set me off on such a life of... Um, not having any kind of healthy version of the masculine and not knowing what love is or not even knowing what platonic love is with the masculine. And I just had so many patterns playing out and I got into so many terrible, terrible situations as a young girl. Imagine. Yeah. And it was interesting because I was so desperate for love. It was almost like this thing would take over me And I would leave my body. I literally was not in my body. And I wouldn't see that something was like very obviously leading to sex. Obvious. And I wouldn't see it. And then I wouldn't know how to stop it. And then I would literally like flash into my body. I have only ever these like flashes of being like, oh, fuck, this is happening again and leaving my body. Oh, wow. Like a disassociation. Complete disassociation. And it was it was really it was really a, a gnarly pattern to break and that I didn't break until my early twenties when I went I went celibate for years. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just been because because of the feeling that it was myself walking myself into these situations. And so it was like I was abusing myself. Yep. Yeah. The repercussions of that just took so many years to heal. I can really relate to that. That was really fascinating because it, it it reminded
1: me of it parallels so much of what I think is our collective journey. Um, isn't it just because as you were talking, and especially when you were talking about um, this pattern of disassociation of needing and wanting and craving this love so much, it's like it was such a part of your identity and it was like a missing piece mm. that you would lose yourself mm. in relationship, right? right. I could right. really relate to that. It's like for mm-hmm. me, my feminine did not know how to operate in relationship with the masculine, especially. Right. And when I was with women who are very feminine, because I, you know, I was openly bisexual um, since I was probably like 15, mm-hmm. I embodied the masculine, mm-hmm. but I wasn't always, I was protective, but I wasn't always a great partner in that sense. So it's like there was just so much dysfunction between the masculine and feminine. Right. And I'm so curious to hear from you to see if this is something that resonates with you. But just like with anything in my life that I had to integrate and heal, um, not just masculine and feminine dynamics, but just like every little bit of, you know. Even my relationship with religion and the word God had to undergo all sorts of healing before I felt calm and open right. and receptive to, you know, being able to even engage with religion. Oh yeah, um, yeah. For me, it was like any time I wanted to heal my my feminine, I also simultaneously had to heal my masculine. They had to be, there had to be an integration because if I just focused on my Mm -hmm. feminine, then the masculine would kind of feel neglected or wreak havoc, or it would still just be like operating behind the scenes and vice versa. And so I'm curious if if that resonates with you.
0: Yeah. That does very much. And it's actually something that I've only like more recently realized fully to the degree that, um, that it exists. And, and the way that I've kind of discovered it in myself is that it's like the yin and the yang, you know, it's like, like as a woman, if I'm extremely in my feminine and in flow, Like it's just gonna get out of hand, be completely out of balance if it's not like the core of my own masculine holding that and giving structure and able to hold boundaries then the feminine is going to be like wishy washy chaos, yeah, utter chaos, <laughs> <laughs> and, vice and vice versa. The masculine, if, he, if the masculine does not have the core of the feminine, then that's just alpha aggressi- aggression, no sensitivity. There needs to be the sensitivity for the masculine yeah. to be balanced. or it'll
1: be too rigid, mm-hmm. you know. exactly exactly. yeah absolutely i i even visualize it like the yin and yang where we have the pull like we have Mm -hmm. to hold that pull in the center of our power that grounds us and Mm -hmm. stabilizes us and it's like the feminine isn't grounded or stabilized without the masculine and same with the masculine like they they genuinely need each other in order to coexist and to create
0: um an experience of harmony Harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel like I would love to talk about sexual wounding mm-hmm. and sexual trauma for men. Yeah. Because you've had so much up close and personal experience and so many levels. You've got such a unique window into that realm. So, yeah, where would you like to start off that discussion?
1: so statistically speaking they say that one in 3 women has experienced sexual abuse some type of sexual abuse and of course any numbers that we throw out and anything that we have on data are the numbers that we that are reported which is very different than you know reality so one in 3 that's that's a lot right and so with that number knowing that we um so much is not reported, I grew up assuming that it was really just everybody or we'll say one in two. And with men, the statistic is one in five. So when I hear one in five, then to me, I, I think, okay, well, that's probably more like one in four or one in three. And from what I experienced from growing up, really wanting to be a boy, really connected with my masculine, the majority of my friends were boys. Same. They were guys. And then I'd have a close, very, very select few, really tight girlfriends. And growing up, I I kind of already held that, uh, held the role of being a secret keeper for my guy friends. And especially when I became more involved with, you know, there was a time in my life where I was affiliated with some gangs. Same. Oh, that's right. we haven't even really gotten to dive into that right and so that's a whole nother level of uh holding space for secrets or just holding containment for secrets keeping you know loyalty and uh honor and all sorts of these these um qualities that our culture in many respects is missing and yet People, especially mm-hmm. with our backgrounds, are just mm-hmm. almost just dying of thirst for. You know, we're almost desperate right. for these things.
0: Right, right. And
1: so it was really easy for me to hold space for the guys in my life. And it was no surprise growing up how many of them shared with me their sexual abuse stories. Mm-hmm. And as I got older and experienced all different types of powerless situations, and it was victimized in many regards. It became clear and clear to me that um the oppressed become the oppressors. naturally, it's right. just kind of a natural re- reaction, a cycle response to um to to grasp for power. And there's this misconception mm-hmm. that we can only get power by taking it from others, which could not be further from the truth, but that's a whole nother dialogue. Right. So right what I came to understand is not only do men don't, not have a place to even share what happens to them usually because of the deep shame, right. And the cultural stigma around homosexuality and, you know, especially for heterosexual men um, and, and for homosexual men too, but especially for those that are not, mm. um, you know, even remotely interested in homosexual activity and it was forced upon them as children, Mm -hmm. it creates even a deeper Mm -hmm. shame and a wound that has a tendency Mm -hmm. to lash out and oftentimes in an attempt to to prove their heterosexuality. Mm. Um, I also witnessed so many men emasculated and sexually abused and assaulted by their peers in a culturally Mm. acceptable way. Like what do you mean? Um, shaming. Men men don't they don't have the safe circles that women usually do to talk about mm. their wounds, to talk about their fears. And in a lot mm. of typical circles that men find themselves in, they cannot show any weakness without them being humiliated and subjected to even punishment, right. verbal um physical mm. and mental punishment by their own peers. So if it it eliminates this idea of a safe space for them. They feel like they don't have anybody that they mm. can talk to. Now, now I know that this is not a rule or across the board, but it's really common and it's especially common with younger men or men that come from backgrounds where you just don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about the past. You don't talk about the bad things, etc. And as we know, the things within ourselves that we that we reject, that we don't accept, they naturally emerge in our shadow self and they wreak havoc until right. they are seen and accepted and healed. So it's a cycle of abuse. It's a cycle of shame. It's a cycle of, um, of rape in many respects. And as women, we finally got to a point where we have all these safe spaces to talk about it and express and work on our healing. But for men... Um, you know, it's emerging more and more, but I still feel like it's this don't ask, don't tell vibe. Um, right. Or even when they find safe space with their friends, it just feels way too scary. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole nother piece to that around sexual shame, where I've come to learn as a, as a sex, as a kink advocate and from my background as a dominatrix and as a sex therapist, I would say at least 30%, if not closer to like 40 to 50% of heterosexual men really crave prostate stimulation. And there's this huge Mm -hmm. stigma and shame around it that they don't even know how to approach it with their wives, with their peers. You know, they would be devastated if anybody found out. Uh And so, yeah. And so there's a whole other layer of that that I think men are dealing with quite silently um, where they just don't feel like they have a safe space to talk about what they're interested in and there's just immense amount of fear involved around that.
0: I get curious around what you've seen Within these realms, because, you know, we're talking about some of the really, you know, bigger pieces of of sexual wounding and trauma that men experience, but it goes all the way through, you know, to like subtle. And I just really feel what you say about how they just don't have safe spaces to communicate, to share, to even feel. Let alone anything beyond that. So yeah. you know, like it's it's not confusing really when you actually look as to yeah. why the situation is the way that it is on this earth. Um, but I get curious around what you have seen that actually helps. Oh, that's
1: a good one. Um, well, to touch on what we were just talking about, one of the problems is that. All right, just. To give a scenario say we have a child mm-hmm. who is in um, a foster program or he's um, exposed at a young age to unhealed trauma and men and he is sexually molested by either a close family member or somebody that is responsible for him so there's no way they can get help they're right. very very young so by the time they're old enough to start processing who they are you know starting about like age five six or seven their natural inclination is to do the same thing that was done to them, to other kids. So instead of being able to work mm-hmm. on their own trauma, a lot of these kids are basically shipped off as troublemakers and perpetuators, you know, in by puberty, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it's it's a weird cycle and there's a lot there. Some make it all the way through adulthood and without any kind of help or acknowledgement of what's really playing out behind the scenes. So what helps from what I've seen is um, one, being able to know and hear that it's more common than you think and to know that you're not alone and that there's nothing wrong with you and that it's not your fault when these things happen to us, especially as children and that we really can heal heal from them and um Mm -hmm. there's can there can be some profound healing from you know that comes out of these deep wounds so i think that helps Mm -hmm. because
0: it just the knowing that it can can be healed healed, also desigmatizing yeah that's been huge for me right that's been like the biggest part of my healing journey is knowing it is possible and claiming that possibility yeah. within myself. Even if I don't know how, I don't know the steps, just claiming like other people have done it. Therefore I have to be able to, I don't know how, but I'm just going to take one step at a time and I will. Absolutely. Get that. That's really the biggest piece of all in my perspective. I think
1: that's really important because mm-hmm. without that, we can feel so lost and lonely and and especially in right. with men on a on a to just make a general statement nowadays i see so many incredibly lonely men they don't have the ease to connect and communicate that women do they feel isolated um especially as they get older they feel really unwanted um and if they have all these unhealed wounds and um and all sorts of wounds from rejection itself then they project a lot of that on women and they just exacerbate it and nobody really wants to be around them whereas on the flip side I see that women are most most women these are general statements are in the opposite situation they are overwhelmed by attention they don't want any more attention they're they're already full you know, especially those of us who are our moms and then single moms, it's like there's no space left. And it feels so overwhelming. Mm. So there's this this schism between, you know, the men really wanting connection, not knowing how to get it, not understanding why it's not there for them, and the women feeling so overwhelmed and depleted and tired of the men trying to constantly get something from them. Um, it's a significant imbalance. And it's probably, been around for a really long time but I specifically see it more and more nowadays and I see the effect that it has on them so and then that that brings up a whole nother topic on you know the role of pornography and technology and all of oh my goodness but I don't even really I'm not ready to dive into that yet because that's, that's like Pandora's <laughs> right there but I would say another thing that really helps is for men to know that there are resources and to find them to to know that there are chapters of men's groups popping up everywhere there's different groups like the good man project there's a lot of good podcasts as well great podcasts yeah and then there's people like us who are actively you know trying to do what we can to support those that that need these resources yeah the resources are out there and they're growing And so I would say that that's that's another thing that they could do is just get involved, do some research,
0: know that it's available for them. Um, Maybe we could put some of those links in the show notes. Maybe we could find some really good links and put them in the show notes for any men who would like to um, explore these topics. I like that.
1: I think that that would be great.
0: What else works? So what about for the women? How can women support men in their healing journey? Excellent. So I would say the best way we can, the, the
1: best thing that we could do for anyone, including ourselves is do our own work, healership, right. really being right. able to examine our wounds, um, take responsibility for them as much as we can, right? That doesn't mean there's any blame, shame, fault finding, et cetera. What I mean by taking responsibility is, um, you know we may have learned these behaviors in the past you know we may have been victimized etc but creating a pattern in our lives of victimhood um that's about our own mastery you know like we may have learned that mm-hmm. it happened etc but what we do with it that's that's our mastery and so you know to right. taking a pause and really looking at what in our life is working and what isn't, and then taking responsibility to make those changes. And it may seem really daunting at first for people, but I can just say, man, when I look back, I was talking with my partner this week and I was looking back at how incredibly fucked up I was Um, and how there's just, it just feels amazing to, to get to these different, to get through these deep layers of trauma and get to the other side yeah. where you just don't feel affected or triggered or um, anxious about the things that you used to. I mean, there's, there's a lot of hope. So I would say the very first thing that women can do to support men is to heal their own anxiety, to really take responsibility for their fears, to, um, mm-hmm. to feed what they want to see more of and not, you know, mm-hmm. f- keep feeding their fears. And uh, like everyone, it's our responsibility to heal our shame, our unresolved shame and our unresolved trauma. Because unfortunately these things, they perpetuate. And if we have shame within us, then naturally what's gonna happen is we're going to consciously or unconsciously shame others. But so when it comes to yeah. men specifically, I've seen this so many times, especially when I'm doing a lot of work on erectile dysfunction um solutions is it's actually the women in the men's lives that
0: are contributing more to the problem than helping so i would love to pick that apart i would love for you to express to the women who are listening to this especially like what around erectile dysfunction are the things that they are doing that they don't realize that are actually making it worse yeah so
1: what we're learning now is about 70% of all cases all cases across full age range of erectile dysfunction is it's a has an emotional cause right if we mm-hmm. weed out all the stuff that's caused by um old advanced age or um all the certain all the things that lower testosterone or you know like we rule out all sorts of pathology what we're left with is this really high number of men that are experiencing erectile dysfunction because of emotional issues, trauma, shame, stress, and anxiety. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but we our, our nervous system is set up so that when we hit fight or flight, everything else becomes secondary. There are no other priorities right. other than taking care of an immediate threat. So digestion su- shuts down and you know, all those things, those secondary um, systems and abilities, they stop, which means an erection is really impossible in a state of stress, right. anxiety, or a threat. And this is really important for for women to know. So for instance, I it's really, really common. And I hear this from my guy friends, as well as the women that I interact with, they're like, what do I do? It's very, very common for a woman to experience a man's any kind of sexual insecurity or dysfunction and take that personally. She makes it about herself. She takes it as an insult that he's just not attracted to her. She's not pretty enough. She's not sexy enough or that something's wrong, or he's thinking of another woman or just whatever, whatever we go we do. Mm-hmm. And then she, without thinking about it, without being present and, empathic to him and what he might be going through inadvertently
0: what i've seen is the sense with babe hang on a sec babe is just breaking up can you start that sentence again into usually very unconscious kind of just as like a
1: trigger response um instead of being present and empathic with the man experiencing you know, a lack of being able to get it up, she will say something that will actually exacerbate the problem because it's based on shame or humiliation or it it just amplifies the fear and the stress. And here's the the real issue. Here's the problem that the pattern that I'm seeing so much is, you know, a man may present one or two times with not being able to get erect. And it's caused by all sorts, who knows what, all sorts of things, right? But it's then the emotional trigger and the interaction that the couple have together that stimulate it being a, a problem and a habit that exacerbates it. Perpetuates the it. it really does. And then now he's he's not feeling like he's even a man. and now every time he tries to have sex with a real life woman and not just masturbation or pornography. The anxiety builds and builds and builds to the point where now he does in fact have erectile dysfunction, the the chronic inability to um, to have an erection. So, I would say in that point alone, one of the best things a woman could do is to stay to not take it personal, to know it's not about her, and to really check in and ask herself, well, you know, what am I doing in this situation that could be producing anxiety and and uh, unnecessary pressure and tension. So I think we women, we forget often how much pressure men are under, you know? This idea of our our skewed concept of masculinity in this day and age, it's just, it puts so much pressure on men. They're supposed to be able to do all these things. And and on top of all of that, have a big cock that gets hard on demand. Like these things aren't really all that realistic. Especially as men get older, because usually as men get older, they also bear more responsibility. So one of the first things that we could do as women is not take it personally and not put any pressure on them. And I don't know about you, but I actually really enjoy it when my man, my partner, when he's soft. Like I never take it as anything other than, oh yeah, he's he's soft, he's relaxed right now. And I actually delight in that because to me, if it's really fun to to spend more time in that space, right? It's a space of mm. non-pressure. It's a space of just mutual enjoyment. And there's just, mm. I think it's fun to stroke him and play with him when he's soft. And um, yeah, if I can go there, it's actually a really fun experience for me to even um, to to play with him orally and to have oral
0: sex with him. I agree with that. I completely agree with that. It just, it's Mm -hmm. a whole different
1: sensation. It's a whole different thing. And boy, is it fun to feel, to actually feel the erection come on strong once you get to that point. And, you know, to me, these things are all really fun and delightful and they can be easy. They can be easygoing and um, not produce any stress. So I'd say like, that's, that's one very simple thing women can do. To be a part of the solution rather than the
0: problem. Awesome. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, I would like to, from there, just kind of talk about this cultural war on masculinity. Yeah. in the imbalance that's been ensuing on this planet with the patriarchy and with the unhealthy masculine. Yeah. And how women have been consciously and mostly subconsciously doing what they can to try to feel yep. safe. And so, I'd love for us to kind of pick that apart and discuss um, to help men understand what's actually going yeah. on there, and to help women understand, yeah, what we're actually yeah. doing, what we're what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, this is such a powerful topic.
1: And you know, it's it's a very personal one for both of us because we've seen how it plays out in right. our lives, what it, what what happens from it. So how I define the war on masculinity is we're we're finally at a point where we have this goal of equality, which I personally don't believe in equality because we're not all created equal. That makes sense. We're just not, right. you know, yeah. some of us are capable of doing things that others aren't. And if we really were after a pursuit for equality, then the, the topic would be equity and not equality. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say in my personal life, mm-hmm. I had to learn this one the hard way because I, um,
0: mm-hmm
1: my masculine was very strong. I really wanted, I was very interested in all sorts of things. And I learned um, at a fairly young age that if I get into construction, not only would I be able to really work with my hands and be, you know, work with my physical body, which resonated with me, but I had the potential. I had some good earning potential at that time in my life. So I had a 22 year career in construction, predominantly as a carpenter.
0: And I, Mm, and that's another place that we have similarities, even though I wasn't working in construction. I've always built, I've always had my own power tools and I've always had that side of me very capable. Yeah. And, and, and you know how good it feels
1: to be able to look back at the end of the day yeah. and be like, I did that, I built mm-hmm. that. It's a very satisfying
0: yeah. Yeah. feeling. a lot of <laughs> very, A lot yeah. of
1: work, you know, is satisfying, but you don't get to look back at the end of the day and have that immediate gratification of, you know this is done. This, this was accomplished. Um, and so working side by side with men for 22 years really did. I, I didn't mention that before, but that influenced me greatly with with working with men and knowing what their needs are and uh, how different we are from women. But when I was younger, I pushed myself to work as hard, if not harder than a man and there's days where I, you know, I, I put in a 12 to 14 hour work day, full on physical labor. And at the time it really served me because I had all of this like pent up energy and anger and whatnot that I was channeling through something very productive and constructive quite literally. And then came the point in my life in my thirties where my body began to change. And especially after I became a mom it was no longer biologically right. feasible for me to work as hard as a man. And in the process of trying to, I, you know, I really hurt my body. I got adrenal fatigue. And I I remember even before that, when I was menstruating um, and trying to work hard, it just was debilitating for me. So the truth is my whole life, I tried masculinizing myself. Like our culture, you know, does encourage uh, women to just, you know, We've we've gotten on this thing of like, yeah, we can do everything men can do. But the thing is, biologically, Mm -hmm. we really shouldn't, you know, and we really need to learn to trust our instincts and take better care of our bodies because a man is wired to work a particular way, whereas a woman is not. And we have very different skills and strengths. And I think it's important to recognize that.
0: Yeah, I super resonate with that. Like, um, as I was saying, I used to do a lot of building. I used to be out there with the boys and like, I didn't realize until I like way more powerfully dropped deeply into my feminine that there was so much of that that was trying to prove myself. And when I no longer needed approval from others, uh, all these things that I used to do, I realized I didn't want to do them anymore. <laughs> well said. I got the same way. I was thinking back. I, I used to like build decks
1: around pools by myself. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking to myself, like, I think back, I'm just like, what the hell? Like, thinking, why would I do that? I know why I did it. I did it because that was mm. that was an example of my wound and my trauma. One,
0: mm, yeah, I
1: exactly. have to be self-sufficient because I cannot trust and rely on others. Mm-hmm. And two, because I know I can, you know. And really, it's just it's just another chip on our shoulder that we have to, you know, acknowledge and then make our friends.
0: And, then- and so I love the way that we're just like riffing off each other. But I want to get back to the thing t- about like helping men to understand what it is that women are doing when there's problems in the ways that we're actually trying to seek safety and how that I love, shows thank up. Thank you for the steering us back. So what that means with the
1: whole war on masculinity is we've had this pattern of there being a threat. There's imbalances, right? The goal is equality, but in order to create that, um, what we've done obviously isn't really working. And what's resulted from that is an attempt for women to feel safe and to not feel so threatened by the masculine. They have masculinized themselves, right? They have done, like what we talked about, they've prevented themselves from being open and receptive and able to receive from men, right? Like that's not safe, so we're gonna do it ourselves. We don't need you. And this whole concept of women not needing men, it is it really is and and I totally prescribed to that for so many years and I exactly. still have moments where I'm just like annoyed by the dynamic and I go back into that old pattern where like I'll just do it myself but really it's a trauma response and and I know this is going to piss off a lot of people cuz if I had heard this when I was younger I would have been like what the hell am I about <laughs> but it is and now I got to say once and and it took me a while to really heal this but now I have this amazing man in my life who absolutely it lights him up to be of service and to provide for me and my kids and to protect us and to really like hold that space for us that containment oh my goodness like he's just like he gets off on it it's all he wants and for me and for you to
0: receive be receptive
1: and yeah and it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really wonderful to be in a space now where I trust it. I trust that masculine energy. I'm, ca- I'm able to receive it um, without anxiety, without pushing it away, without shutting it down, without trying to control it. And my life gets easier and easier and better and better. But this is a big, huge topic because in order to get from point A to point B and be able to feel safe as a woman, right? Dealing with that almost programmed threats, right? Because our bodies
0: tell us. Totally programmed right? threats. But
1: that anxiety is real. And we can't just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. hit a switch and turn it off. No, Um no. And, and so that's one thing that I think men, it's really important that you understand is we we have this collective anxiety as men, as women. And this is what it looks like. And this is what keeps creating it. And this is what helps. And this is what doesn't. But the problem is, in my opinion, what I'm seeing is in an attempt to not be a threat and not be a perceived threat, men are literally almost castrating themselves um, around women. And unfortunately,
0: nobody's getting their needs. That's right well, for the but, nice guy syndrome. Yeah. Which doesn't feel safe. Exactly. Exactly. And I think about it often. It's like very few generations since... What two generations, three generations since women couldn't vote, couldn't buy, couldn't do barely anything without a man? We couldn't
1: even have our own credit card until the 70s,
0: late 70s. Right? It's very, very, very fresh. And then we wonder why we have so much anxiety around being safe with our man, especially in this day and age where the relationships come and go, come and go. You know, it's like it's a real thing in our DNA in our psyche in our hearts and yeah and I think that it would just serve all of us to really be more aware of this trigger and why it's there and find ways to just be aware of it and just soothe ourselves and to help to soothe each other ideally I want to be clear about something um
1: for me, one of, so I've been, I've been on this path for a long time. You know, I was married. Um, hold on. Let me, let me pick my brain. How old, how long ago is that? It feels like forever ago. <laughs> it was less than 10 years ago. And of course it, it was a reflection of all the things I hadn't healed yet. So it was not a good scenario and it wasn't a safe place for me. Um, and the work for me really began after that marriage. Because it was like I lost everything. I had a child with cancer at the time. It was like huge crisis situation, and I had to learn how to get my power back. And now, flash forward—I guess you know, six and a half years after you know my divorce, et cetera—I'm in a relationship now with a really wonderful man, and there's still constant work that's happening. And And so I have moments where I feel anxious and I don't trust his decision making or I feel scared and I feel um, almost like a trigger response to um, emasculate him, you know, by like telling him what to do instead of telling him how I'm feeling. And I have to intentionally stop myself, take a deep breath and then communicate to him what's going on for me. And I find that every time I just tell him like, hey, I'm feeling really anxious right now because this doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't feel safe to me. Um, He has finally learned to know like that is not me attacking him or telling him that he's wrong. That's me owning my feelings so that he can adjust and understand. And um, boy, it changes everything. It really does, yeah. And he's you know, he's got his own wounds and trauma, so he's simultaneously healing his masculine and feminine exactly from growing up in in an environment where his mother was masculinized, his father was emasculated, and their whole weird codependent dynamic. And what he has gathered from that and was conditioned by that, and so simultaneously doing our work, I will say it is work, but man, it works so together, I find that we're really able to get through easier to the other side once we remember to communicate properly. And um, I, I see him learning to lead better and better. And I'm learning to receive more and more. And we always know when something's off. Because then, uh, because we're not happy, right? There's a dissatisfaction. There's disturbance in the force. And then we we both get to stop for a minute, take responsibility for our role in it, which I think is really important. Crucial. It's a game changer. And then I get to see, you know, like, okay, I need to come from feeling statements. So he understands how I'm feeling. And then he gets a moment where he sees that, oh, he wasn't leading. He was... You know, he was too much in his head and too much in his, almost like a chaotic feminine energy. And I was too much in my masculine. And then, you know, that calibration, it does in fact get easier and easier every time the more we, um, one, take responsibility for it and two, stop it before it
0: gains too much momentum, if that makes sense. Yeah. I would love for us to, to discuss um as women. Cause one of my one of my greatest desires as a woman is for men to learn to trust um, a woman's oracle, a woman's capacity to feel him most often more than he can feel himself. Oh, yeah. This is so and, juicy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, because I noticed that all of the men that I experience in life and that I witness that I see as really developed in their masculine and really just like balanced, amazing men, they have really done what they can to actually learn to trust this in in women. And I guess I would like to discuss how distinct it is to us to feel a man when he's not in Ooh. his masculine. Yeah. And what that feels like to us and what that does. So for the men listening, it is an
1: unmistakable anxiety. It it it's a it's an unsettled feeling of not feeling safe, not being able to relax, not feeling safe to be led or to follow that energy it's like there's no there's ground, no ground. yeah on. it's really just like it doesn't feel safe or settled um which is why oftentimes if a woman is with a man who just wants to go with the flow and they're like ah oh, let's just take it easy mm-hmm. she she can't submit to that and she naturally will want to take over she'll want to leave right, right. that's just the natural response cuz she she needs to feel safe um and so for the women listening, I'm sure you feel really heard and understood in this moment. Be like, oh yeah, that's what that is. I'm not crazy. I'm not, you know, being neurotic or all the things that that we've been called when we don't feel safe with this energy.
0: So it's interesting. But then the important part forward from there is how we actually communicate that in a way that doesn't include yeah. blame or shame, and that is such an art. And when I get it right, which is more and more and more, you know, my relationships are a testament to that. When I get it right, it's wow—you yeah. get to feel so heard. And then he just steps into his masculine more. And when I don't get it right, oh Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to speak to the men for a moment and say that, yeah,
1: um, there's things that you can do. To open the space for the communication to work is to nice. not take it personally, right? Right. To, to see that this right. isn't an attack. This is a woman who right. exactly. is really struggling to regulate her nervous system. Mm-hmm. She doesn't feel safe, mm-hmm. and um, regardless of how she's behaving in that moment. Men, you always have a choice to take a deep breath and just ground your energy and take responsibility for your energy. Mm-hmm. And if you can, you know, mm-hmm. if you know what it means to clean it up a little bit, you can. Now, mm-hmm. I get how difficult that is because one, right. it often, especially depending upon how the woman is communicating, it'll feel like a direct attack. Right. It'll feel really unfair. Right. It'll, it'll feel almost impossible not to defend yourself. Um, but if you can just take a deep breath and ground your energy and not take it personally and just listen to her, that will that'll be like that's step number one that will change the entire dynamic. Because usually when people totally. when people feel heard, they stop feeling so scared. Right. Empathy right. can be born. There's there's space there for um there to even be a conversation rather than a conflict. And then of course for women. We need to take a moment and ground our energy and really exactly. check in with ourselves. It's so easy to blame others. In fact, it's so it's the easy. most immature response there is, is just to blame others. It really is. Mm-hmm. And it does require awareness and courage to look within and see what we're doing to, to mm-hmm. contribute and to even, you know, participate. And so that's, I think, is the first step for women is take a deep grounding breath really check in and find your feeling, find the emo- emotion behind what you're feeling and then mm. not say anything unless it begins with the words I, I feel. Mm. And then really describe an emotion, not like, I feel like you, I feel like you are doing yeah, this. Or, or a sensation in the body. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. A yeah. somatic <clears throat> sensation and a feeling. Um because men can hear that. Right. And and a healthy man wants to protect that. And uh, mm-hmm. from my experience, men are just the sweetest, most romantic beings.
0: They really just want to do good. They really just want to serve. They really just want to provide. And if a man is not showing up like that, then he has been kind of like kicked into a yeah. corner. He's, he has had an experience of being kicked into a corner and like, he just can't win. Exactly. And if a man feels like he can't win, there's no way he's going to put in an effort. There's no way. There's no way he's going to invest.
1: He's defeated already. What's he supposed to do? And that's hard for a man because then he has two options. He can either roll over and be completely emasculated or he can leave. Any self-respecting man is going to leave.
0: I have a a little story that is coming up from my life from many years ago now, but it was actually when, it was the night that I realized when the story towards the blame towards the masculine started to really Mm. crumble. Ooh, I can't wait. That's good. There was a few year process of being celibate and clearing out my attraction field, clearing out my womb. And I'd just done so much work for, for many, many years. And then the kind of men that I was mm, attracting was, of course, a much, much higher caliber. Then I ended up attracting and being very deeply drawn into a relationship that was very, very, very much old. And it was very much an old, ref, old reflection. An old and patterns? Old patterns. And I had so much shame around that connection. Um, I didn't really even want anyone to see him because it just was like, it felt really old, but I was so caught in it and I couldn't understand why at the time, the night that I realized what was actually going on, because i never, I never, I still have never met somebody to this day that holds so much light and so much dark. And there's uh, such a hairline trigger between that was so easily and often Mm. triggered. And there was no bridge between those two personalities. And he would be, went from being filled with so much love, like the level of love that would pour off him. I would be like, (gasps) oh, like it was so, I'd never felt anything like that. I'd never felt such love pouring from a man's heart. And then how quickly he could be triggered into pure evil, straight up evil. It was dark. Anyway, this one night, I don't remember exactly what was happening, but I remember it was really dark. I remember it was really twisted. And the things that he was doing, he was doing to specifically really try to hurt me emotionally and psychologically. And I remember within myself that. In my own head, not out loud, I would be like, you fucking asshole, you blah, blah. I wasn't saying it out loud. And then as I did that, it was like something, some force, my higher self, my guides, I don't know, some force literally almost like grabbed my head and turned my focus to my childhood Mm. and made me realize that I was wanting to say those things to my father. And it kept happening again and again through the night. He would do something. I would say something in my head and my focus was shown where that actually originated from again and again. And I realized in that moment that he was the epitome of a reason to blame the masculine. He was like the complete epitome, like everything he was doing was so quote unquote worthy of blame and yet it was my responsibility because i was choosing it continuously wow. choosing it and and i realized that i was no longer allowed to blame that i had to take full responsibility and that realization that night was so painful it literally felt like i had to tear my own skin off because i did i had to tear off such an identity structure of pain and victimization and I couldn't in that moment I couldn't do it in that moment and I couldn't even do it with him it it was too triggering to be able to do it but I had the information and that was really the beginning of the end of my excusing myself from blaming well anything but specifically the masculine Uh, that is and then realizing Yeah. And realizing where I had attracted and manifested those things from um, and why and taking full responsibility for it. That is huge. What a deep and powerful Mm -hmm. insight to have.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. And I like that you mentioned
0: that it wasn't something that you were able to really do with him. Right. Right. Which I tried. I thought I had to do it with him because, you know, it's like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I thought if I ran away from him, I would just manifest it with another man. But right. the thing is that sometimes our nervous system is just too yes. triggered to actually be able to move through it. And we got to get away from the. especially toxicities. if
1: there's already a habit there
0: right. and a conditioning. Right. Right.
1: But it's It's like we have to change the environment in order to really dive in and heal it's and that's that's where people get stuck and trapped a lot so that was really profound that you were able to do that and I can imagine it took a great deal for you to get out of that situation as well
0: yeah I mean I'm so endlessly and unconditionally loving you know it's like I I just deeply desire to the continuation of love which is not surprising with my childhood And, and I would just try every different way with this man to remain connected within our hearts. And he actually just kept sabotaging and doing worse and worse and worse things because he couldn't handle not having me. And he just would rather sabotage in the most twisted ways to get me out of his life so he couldn't, didn't have to feel the constant pain of not having me. Yeah. So that was like the first time I've ever had to fully cut someone out of my life, like for good. (laughs) Yeah. No, I understand that.
1: Yeah, And
0: it's a profound act of self-love. So it is. Yeah. Sometimes it's just necessary. And definitely was a process. (laughs) Yeah. That brought up a
1: lot, especially when you were describing him Mm -hmm. as having containing so much light and simultaneous so much dark. And there seemed to be no bridge between the two. Um, I've seen this a great deal in um with my BDSM therapy work because mm-hmm. that's a place um, where these type of I don't want to call it a personality disorder because I really think it's more of a spiritual issue. So I'll say where right. these um, where these we'll call it just like the shadow wounds, where these shadow wounds they like to hide mm-hmm. out. They like to hide mm-hmm. out in places where. Yeah. They, um they can feel powerful while simultaneously you know
0: not having to really look at it exactly that's the whole that's the whole mo of those those um, patterns wow that sounds like a pretty significant um turning point in your journey it was a turning point yeah big turning point. Yeah, and that's why even in the title of this podcast, it's about sex, intimacy, relating uh, understanding each other, but all from the standpoint of radical self-responsibility because my life I've been groomed again and again and again with really a lot of, a lot of suffering and the only thing that has ever really changed anything is me taking like 100% responsibility for my experience, for my manifestations, for my state of being. And that's the only place of empowerment. You know, I often say 100% empowerment is 100% responsibility. And that shit's hard. hard.
1: Well, it's hard, but then until
0: Until it's it's not. not. Um, Yeah.
1: This is one of my favorite topics. I'm a firm believer that the only way that we get to take our power back that we can take our power back is by taking responsibility for ourselves right exactly. and yeah. what i've noticed in my personal life and also just you know witnessing the collective and working with clients is we have all these archetypes within us and they play out in different ways and the victim archetype feels absolutely threatened by accountability and responsibility and so right it will go to no extent to try to prove it's a victim while simultaneously avoiding um, and rejecting its own victimhood to avoid responsibility. Yeah. Right, the truth. <laughs> and so, a lot of people they get really triggered by this responsibility piece. They do. It,
0: it's it's a. I find yeah, it to be one of the biggest sure.
1: triggers of all of all the crazy, controversial things that I talk about. Personal responsibility mm-hmm. and victimhood seems to get me um, unf- the, the most, most
0: pushback. pushback. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then people like you and I actually have the clout to stand up and say this because we have experienced massive amounts of oh. suffering. Oh and this has been, you know, I am I am an explorer. I am, a, I, for, first and foremost, I'm an explorer of life. I learned through yes. trial and error. And I don't ever just take on uh, a theory uh, uh, just at face value. I will experiment. I will pick it apart. I will try it on from all Mm -hmm. angles. And so then I really, really understand why it works. And the proof is in the pudding, as we say. And for me, it's like this is tried and tested countless times until it becomes kind of like the... Critical mass, the hundredth monkey effect. And now it makes more sense when I feel that resistance in myself that wants to protect itself. I'm like, cool. Okay. Oh, so oh, cool. Okay. So uncomfortable and awesome. Now I know that there's something in this. And I look, I don't leave any stone unturned within myself because I know it just leads to great. Oh, freedom. absolutely.
1: I love this. This is so. You touched on how painful it can be. And I think this is an important piece because Mm -hmm. this is what the victim archetype is trying to avoid. It's trying to avoid the pain. But Mm. now I'm at a point because this is something that I share with my kids. I'm like, hey, you, if you're feeling powerless right now, if you are feeling a lot of pain and you're feeling anger, all these kind of things, there's really only one solution and that is personal responsibility. And it's so fun to start seeing it in them, how they start shifting because it is so painful to feel powerless right this this is the root of all power abuse right people will do anything Mm. to feel better but if we actually take responsibility the change in our energetic field and the way we feel about ourselves and the situation it's such a stark contrast we can feel that change almost immediately and, immediately and see oh, the results oh my God, in life so reflecting good. it to
0: us so I was
1: talking earlier about my relationship with my partner and how we have to catch ourselves and really talk what what I found is mm-hmm. that I'm not a huge fan of apologies I feel like a lot of people don't even know how to apologize they just kind of try to manipulate a situation to um <laughs> right to And kind of like project a bit of guilt and shame and whatever. They're just trying to feel better, right? They want to feel better. Mm. But the apology itself isn't where the potency is. The potency and what what restores trust and builds connection again isn't the apology. It's the accountability. It's the accountability piece Mm. where we take responsibility for what we said, what we did, and what the outcome was, and then make amends. And so, just saying sorry to me doesn't do any of that. And so, this is the thing where it's the piece that people avoid. But I I just want to say, you said the proof is in the pudding. If anybody is like having that resistance and they move from that place of, you know, guilt and shame and self punishment and trying to, you know, blame another person, et cetera, and move to, okay, how can I take responsibility for this and own it? really own what happened and their role in it man the result mm. is an immediate feeling of relief freedom yeah freedom yeah personal power like you can feel your power come back into right. your body and it changes everything mm-hmm. so i i love that we have i i call myself a transformation junkie and to me part of that transformation is always just seeing okay well this isn't working this sucks what can i do oh i can i can take responsibility right <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, that feels like a really potent note to end on. It's been so good, babe. I have really enjoyed this. Yes, I look forward
1: to more.
0: Definitely, definitely. So, I would love to give you a chance to share with people where they can find you online, and we'll put this stuff in the show notes. But yeah, just share what you're up to. you know what your offerings are and where they can find you
1: yay thank you so much Mm -hmm. um well currently i am working on putting everything into on my platform of the mars contract so that's mars as in the god of i guess it's the god of war but it's actually you know that masculine energy the mars contract and um and soon we're going to be launching the mars rising the Mars Contract focuses on sex and power coaching for men, but I'm about to launch my first full-blown online course on um, erectile dysfunction and finding wow. all natural solutions to not only cure it but you know to to have a lasting, profound effect. I'm very excited about offering this because in research with my clients. I realized there's not much out there. Wow, really? Well, thank you. I've gotten results for almost a decade now helping friends and clients with erectile dysfunction issues. And now I'm excited to make this course and put it out there and um, have that as a resource for men. So that's going to be launching as soon as I can get it all together. Awesome. And simultaneously, I am also doing um, kink educational classes. Um, I just did a class on Saturday, which was a fundamentals of rope bondage workshop. And so I'm I'm noticing that there's a lot of interest and in, in information that needs to, there's a lot of interest for understanding BDSM, the real therapeutic aspects of it. And so I'm going to be talking a great deal about submission and the gifts of submission, dominance. And I am simultaneously creating an online course entitled How to Be Confidently Dominant in and out of the bedroom. It's targeted for men, but of course it could be for anyone. And it really goes strong into the personal power piece.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you for all your work and your dedication in these arenas. And, and I just love you. And I'm really stoked about our growing friendship and um, collaboratorship. (laughs) And I look forward to more yeah
1: excellent. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's this has been a blast. It's always lovely connecting with you, and I love learning more about you and your path and what you're doing. So thank you so much for creating these podcasts, getting the information out there. And I really appreciate your sincerity and your your devotion to the cause.
0: Mm, thanks for seeing me, babe. It's awesome. Thanks everyone for listening, and we hope to catch you again soon. awesome so online yeah. okay and so did you say where they find you online just the mars contract
1: yeah the marscontract.com will be the easiest okay, perfect. and then uh there's social media links and simultaneously i am also doing um kink educational classes mm-hmm. um i just did a class on saturday which was a fundamentals of rope bondage workshop mm-hmm. and so i'm I'm noticing that there's a lot of interest in, in information that needs to, there's a lot of interest for understanding BDSM, and the real therapeutic aspects of it. And so I'm going right. to be talking a great deal about submission and the gifts of submission dominance. And I am simultaneously creating an online course entitled how to be confidently dominant in and out of the bedroom it's targeted for men but of course it could be for anyone and it really goes strong into the personal power piece nice a lot on the responsibility piece that we were talking about so it's fun and it's juicy so awesome. i encourage people i'm still in the beginning stages of getting all this up and out so i encourage people to find me through the marscontract.com um, find me on my social media links and you know you can connect with me my email is hello at themarscontract.com. You know, you can always say, Hey, and let me know what's up. And, um, I'm just going to keep creating as much content as I can so that there's a bunch of free resources for people and then also online courses. And then when people are really ready to do some work or they need some serious support, then mm-hmm. I'm also available for one-on-one private coaching. Awesome. As well.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you for all your work and your dedication in these arenas. And and I just love you and I'm really stoked about our growing friendship and um, cool. collaboratorship. <laughs> and Me I too, look forward to really more.
1: Wonderful.
0: Yeah. Excellent. I
1: love it. Yeah. Um it's this has been a blast. It's always lovely connecting with you and I love learning more about you and your path. And what you're doing. So thank you so much for creating these podcasts, getting the information out there. And I really appreciate your sincerity and your your devotion to the cause.
0: Mm, thanks for seeing me, That's babe. Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening. And we hope to catch you again soon. Awesome. Um, online. Yeah. Okay. And so did you say where they find you online? Just the Mars contract. Yeah,
1: the MarsContract.com will be the easiest. Okay. Perfect. And then uh, there's social media links. And simultaneously, I am also doing um, kink educational classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a class on Saturday, which was a Fundamentals of Rope Bondage workshop. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm noticing that there's a lot of interest in, in information that needs to... There's a lot of interest for understanding BDSM, the real... Therapeutic aspects of it. And so I'm going to be talking a great deal about submission and the gifts of submission dominance. And I am simultaneously creating an online course entitled how to be confidently dominant in and out of the bedroom. It's targeted for men, but of course it could be for anyone. And it really goes strong into the personal power piece. Nice a lot on the responsibility piece that we were talking about. So it's fun and it's juicy so I encourage people I'm still in the beginning stages of getting all this up and out so I encourage people to find me through themarscontract.com um find me on my social media links and you know you can connect with me my email is hello at themarscontract.com you know you can always say hey and let me know what's up and um I'm just going to keep creating as much content as I can so that there's a bunch of free resources for people and then also online courses. And then when people are really ready to do some work or they need some serious support, then I'm also available for one-on-one private coaching. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you for all your work and your dedication in these arenas. And, and I just love you. And I'm really stoked about our Growing friendship and um collaboratorship. <laughs> and me I look great. forward to more.
1: Yeah. Excellent. I love it. Yeah. Um it's this has been a blast. It's always lovely connecting with you. And I love learning more about you and your path and what you're doing. So thank you so much for creating these podcasts, getting the information out there. And I really appreciate your sincerity and your your devotion to the cause.
0: Mm, thanks for seeing That's me, awesome. babe. Thanks everyone for listening and we hope to catch you again soon. Awesome. Online. Yeah. Okay. And so did you say where they find you online? Just the Mars contract.
1: Yeah. The MarsContract.com will be the easiest.
0: Okay. And then
1: uh, there's social media links and simultaneously. I am also doing um, kink educational classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a class on Saturday, which was a fundamentals of rope bondage workshop. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm noticing that there's a lot of interest and in, in information that needs to there's a lot of interest for understanding BDSM, the real therapeutic aspects of it. And so I'm going right. to be talking a great deal about submission and the gifts of submission, dominance. And I am simultaneously creating an online course entitled How to Be Confidently Dominant in and out of the bedroom it's targeted for men but of course it could be for anyone and it really goes strong into the personal power piece and, nice you know, a lot on the responsibility piece that we were talking about so it's fun and it's juicy so awesome. i encourage people i'm still in the beginning stages of getting all this up and out so i encourage people to find me through the marscontract.com um, find me on my social media links and you know you can connect with me my email is hello at themarscontract.com. You know, you can always say, Hey, and let me know what's up. And, um, I'm just going to keep creating as much content as I can so that there's a bunch of free resources for people and then also online courses. And then when people are really ready to do some work or they need some serious support, then I'm also available for one-on-one private coaching. Awesome.
0: Yeah, thank you so much babe. Thank you for all your work and your dedication in these arenas and and I just love you and I'm really stoked mm-hmm. about our growing friendship and um, collaboratorship <laughs> and I look it's forward to more. Wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. I love it. Yeah. Um
1: it's this has been a blast. It's always lovely connecting with you and I love learning more about you and your path. And what you're doing. So thank you so much for creating these podcasts, getting the information out there. And I really appreciate your sincerity and your your devotion to the cause.
0: Mm, thanks for seeing it's me, awesome. babe. Thanks everyone for listening. And we hope to catch you again soon. Awesome. awesome. Online. Yeah. Okay. And so did you say where they find you online? Just the Mars contract.
1: Yeah, the MarsContract.com will be the easiest. Okay. And Perfect. then uh, there's social media links. And simultaneously, I am also doing um, kink educational classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just did a class on Saturday, which was a Fundamentals of Rope Bondage workshop. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm noticing that there's a lot of interest in, in information that needs to... There's a lot of interest for understanding BDSM, the real therapeutic aspects of it. And so I'm going to be talking a great deal about submission and the gifts of submission dominance. And I am simultaneously creating an online course entitled how to be confidently dominant in and out of the bedroom. It's targeted for men, but of course it could be for anyone. And it really goes strong into the personal power piece and a lot on the responsibility piece that we were talking about. So it's fun and it's juicy so I encourage people I'm still in the beginning stages of getting all this up and out so I encourage people to find me through themarscontract.com um find me on my social media links and you know you can connect with me my email is hello at themarscontract.com you know you can always say hey and let me know what's up and um I'm just going to keep creating as much content as I can so that there's a bunch of free resources for people and then also online courses. And then when people are really ready to do some work or they need some serious support, then I'm also available for one-on-one private coaching.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you for all your work and your dedication in these arenas. And, and I just love you. And I'm really stoked about our growing friendship and um collaboratorship (laughs) i look forward to more excellent i love it yeah Yeah. um
1: it's this has been a blast it's always lovely connecting with you and i love learning more about you and your path and what you're doing so thank you so much for creating these podcasts getting the information out there and i really appreciate your sincerity and your your devotion to the cause it's
0: awesome Mm, thanks for seeing me babe Thanks everyone for listening, and we hope to catch you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you were able to get something from it and it was helpful. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and please send this episode to at least one person. It goes a long way to get this info to people who can really benefit from it. So thanks again and I hope you'll join us for our next episode.